0: This week, we discuss terps, dabs, and slabs, how to deal with stigma, and the resurgence of speakeasies in America. Coming up right now on Critical Grass. Get it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Critical
1: Grass. It's stimulating, mind-expanding, safer to use than alcohol. It's the in-thing the hula hoop of the jet generation, and as much a part of growing up as smoking corn silk behind the back fence. Critical grass. He's looked at both the pros and cons of blowing pot. He's not convinced that grass is all that harmful, but there is room for a lot of doubt. Why don't we wait to see? There's a lot of testing to be done before we'll know all the facts. Critical grass. My name is Rico, a.k.a. Phone Homie. I am from Washington, D.C., United States of America. I am a clothing designer, podcast host, activist, personality, pioneer, owner of a clothing line, world traveler, official judge for High Times Magazine. Amongst that,
0: uh, I'm a father and a husband and uh, all that good stuff. You just heard Zub Mud Rosti with a nice bassy little track titled Slab, which is the magic word of this episode, and you shall soon find out why. This week, we have a fun little conversation with none other than Phone Homie, also known as Rico. I actually ran into Rico at the 2018 Cannabis Fest in Warsaw, and amongst dozens of Polish and other European cannabis-related companies and organizations, I spotted a little stand on the side that stood out for a couple of reasons. Firstly, there was a laptop showing an interview with former Minnesota governor and professional wrestler Jesse the Body Ventura talking about cannabis legalization, an American flag hanging off to the side, and a giant dab rig, or bong, with an electronic heating device that was being operated by an eccentric and cheerful fellow from Washington, D.C. This combination is something you will almost exclusively see in the United States, However, I was in the middle of Europe, more specifically the capital city of a former communist bloc country, not exactly known for its openness to cannabis culture. So I decided to interview Rico to find out more about what brought him and his oversized glass pipe to Warsaw in December, and this is what he had to say.
1: So the opportunity to get my brand out, I would say would be the initial reason. I would love to see my brand in as many places as possible. Um, the idea that cannabis is even an, a thought in Poland is good enough for me to come over here because to be very honest with you, I've been coming to Poland since 2010 and I have experienced the fact that it's very difficult to get cannabis out here. And if you do, the cannabis may not be exactly what you're desiring, especially if you're from a place like America or a place that has a well-established cannabis community or, or, uh, industry. So, um... It's very exciting to know that this is going on and the idea I mean the, the 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 event might be small in the sense that there's not cannabis consumption going on and the celebration of cannabis is done just to talk and thought and you know reminisce maybe but uh, the idea that it's here and many people of all walks are talking about cannabis spreading the idea of cannabis and taking home those ideas with them, because that's going to trickle around the country and essentially, hopefully into politics and maybe getting people with those thoughts that this should be legalized into the seats of politics to change the laws. Long-winded answer.
0: So branching out and spreading brand awareness is what initially led Rico to come to Poland. But he also saw here an opportunity to come spread awareness of cannabis in general, since, as he even recognizes the country has some catching up to do with respect to the plant and the surrounding culture. While it is clear that there are plenty of Poles who are very much aware of the benefits of cannabis and the country has no shortage of its own activists and supporters, cannabis in Poland is still a ways away from being as mainstream as it is in places like Washington, D.C. Rico is most certainly not one to shy away from the camera or microphone, and by visiting his stand, you notice immediately he wears his passion for cannabis on his sleeve. However, this line of work also comes with certain obstacles and challenges.
1: Well, uh, the biggest challenges I've faced is, I think personally, there's a lot of stigma that comes along with cannabis. So not everybody looks at what you're doing with, uh, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a smile. They, some people really look at you with disdain and think that you're corrupting uh, society. Um... But, you know, that's not really, you know, that's been very minor, honestly. Um, other things, I think the biggest challenges are traveling with cannabis, um, trying to get cannabis back and forth, whether it be within the United States or outside the United States, or, you know, even for people within their own countries and outside of countries. So uh, the, the fear of, uh, of penalty, the fear of being uh, put in jail, uh, being incarcerated for cannabis is definitely something that, you know, you want to steer away from. Um, so the challenge, you know, which can be overcome many times, still at the end of the day, you know, you could be cited for breaking the law and that could come with severe punishment. So that is one one big thing that I fear constantly. Um, and uh, I, get, I think even bigger than that, you know, I have a family. So I would never want my family to be affected by the stigma of cannabis, um, whether it be in school or teachers, people that, you know, maybe find out what you do on social media and then, you know, maybe somehow punish your child in a sense because they don't agree with it. So hopefully that, you know, there's only a little bit of that discrimination going on. Well, actually none of it I would like, but, you know, um, hopefully it remains either rare or zero, but those are definitely some challenges that are being faced. But I think stronger challenges are are for those that are in other states or other countries that had no
0: legalization uh, and that, you know, don't have even a, a light in sight. No one likes being stigmatized, obviously, but the sad reality is that stigmatization of cannabis and its users still exists, and it won't go away on its own. Rico correctly points out that to even speak out against stigmatization is to risk being labeled as reckless and irresponsible, or even worse, accused of breaking the law. This is particularly troublesome if you have a family. Many cannabis activists, patients, and supporters have been harassed, forced out of jobs, and even jailed, therefore ripped away from their families for daring to come out in favor of the cannabis plant. However, we have come a long way since the days of Reefer Madness, and cannabis is now more or less in the mainstream. So what has been Rico's strategy for combating the stigma associated with the plant?
1: So, um... Quite literally, uh, back in uh, a few years ago, Adam Eidinger uh, was the, really the forefront spearheader of getting uh, Initiative 71, uh, which is what we have in effect in Washington, D.C., put into play. And uh, I was really inspired by that, that motivation, and that, that took me to where I am today, pretty much. Um, I, I went out and I've done, um, you know, collected signatures as an activist, uh, door-to-door, to help with the with the with the um, the actual m- momentum of the the, the cause, um, but to really showcase, I would say, um, my Instagram would probably be one one big way that I've exposed my life to the world to show that I'm a you know multifaceted person. Um, I am not a lazy sit on the couch person, although sometimes in my older years I may be doing that, um, but. Um, you know, that the average stoner should not have to be that, you know, looked at as one at stain, uh, that is lazy or delinquent, um, but rather somebody who is achieving their goals, living the life that they want to, uh, able to be responsible enough to, to have a family, with children, uh, and uh, to still be able to be out there and to showcase cannabis in a more responsible light, even though sometimes, you know, I, I, I you know, reflected in a, in a very... Uh, um, like a more playful manner, you know, and sometimes even, you know, uh, outlandish because, you know, I'm out there coughing and sometimes, you know, coughing up and throwing up and things of that nature. So some people don't get it. But, you know, there, there's a lot of positive things that you can see from my YouTube show, from my uh, Instagram. But I also very much like to keep it as real as possible and, you know, talk the way we all talk every day. And uh, so it's not, it's not a children's show. You know, but uh, through social media, I've been able to expose the things that we do and to just really be a poster boy for the positive light of cannabis. Uh, enough for people to be able to be comfortable to talk about it and maybe even do something about it. I even feel that even smoking in public, uh, you know, is not really all too bad if the case is, if the, you know, if the opportunity is there. Um, especially, you know, for a place like, you know, if we have an event. You know, like, let's say we're out here in Poland and, and, you know, a few people want to openly showcase and display consumption of cannabis. I think that's a great thing and I think it should happen. So I agree with it. I try to push the button if I can or push the envelope, if you will, uh, and, and try to showcase, you know, what I would do anywhere anywhere I, I set my, my rig, you know, <laughs> or my feet. <laughs>
0: The main takeaway from Rico here is that there's no need to be ashamed of an activity that is far less harmful than most other substances people consume on a day-to-day basis. Rico admits some of his posts on social media may seem somewhat eccentric or exaggerated, but I think the idea is to demonstrate a relaxed, humorous attitude so as to show how cannabis use is not as demonic as prohibitionist propaganda claims it is. This is not to say there aren't people who abuse cannabis. There are certainly those that go over the top with it, even documenting it on YouTube and social media. Admittedly, this doesn't help combat stigmatization and could even have the opposite effect among those still on the fence. But there's no better way to tackle fears than to face them down directly, which is why Rico is very open about his love for dabbing. Well, what the hell is dabbing, first of all, and how is it different from anything else we've seen in the brave new world of weed?
1: Very simply, you know, cannabis is a plant. Uh, a plant like any other, you know, if, if, if you have uh, ever heard of essential oils, essential oils predominantly come from plants uh, or some sort of organic nature. Uh, you have to think of cannabis in that same way. So you're extracting the essential oils from the plant, Um, You can use those oils in so many different uh, ways of doing it, but when we speak about dabbing, we're we're literally talking about taking that essential oil, the THC, sometimes CBD, or a combination of both, and literally taking a glob of that, or a a shattered piece of that, or a diamond crystal of that, or a honey drop of that, or a terpene drop of that, uh, and putting it onto a heated substance, such as a, a heated nail, uh, these days, you definitely would want to use a quartz nail, but people have used uh, titanium or ceramic, uh, maybe even glass, which is not recommended. But uh, basically, and then ingesting the vapors that come off of there, usually through a water filter, percolators or water filter. And then from there, uh, ingesting, inhaling, and, you know, enjoying the benefits after that. Really, in a nutshell, is just, you know, you take the oil out, you smoke it, and you get... Very high because it's concentrated
0: THC. You might have heard the term terpene before, and that's probably for a good reason. What are terpenes, might you ask? As Rico accurately explains, they are aromatic oils that spice up cannabis varieties with distinctive flavors like citrus and berry and mint and pine. Well, what makes your favorite buds smell like lemon rinds or blueberry muffins or bubblegum? Those are the terpenes, of course. And much more than just attracting creatures by smelling pretty, a very fascinating characteristic of terpenes is their ability to interact synergistically with other compounds in the plant, like the cannabinoids THC and CBD, adding to the potential medical value of the plant by being effective in treating things like anxiety, pain, insomnia, depression, and so on. Just look at the reaction on someone's face who's getting a good whiff of some properly cured cannabis flower at a dispensary and you'll see aromatherapy in action. So how is this related to dabbing? Well, dabbing involves concentrating the terpenes in other valuable parts of the plant and vaporizing them, meaning you're only ingesting the stuff that will benefit your health, provided, of course, you dab correctly. So-called low-temperature dabs, in other words, below 450 degrees Fahrenheit or 230 degrees Celsius, will allow you to inhale the cannabinoids without doing any damage to your lungs. Since the temperatures are way below that of the smoking point, you avoid the intake of any harmful substances resulting from burning plant material. Well, in addition to being a healthier way of ingesting cannabinoids, dabbing is also a much more efficient and economical way of getting THC and CBD into your lungs. A recent study by Swiss researchers from the Institute of Forensic Medicine at the University of Bern found that smoking joints wastes 300% more THC than dabbing. So next time you decide to roll a doobie, remember that you're only getting a fifth of the available cannabinoids in that joint. So how long has dabbing been around, and where did it originally come from? I
1: started dabbing in around 2009-ish, 2008, 2009. So that's when I really started understanding it. 2014, I think it was really... It started becoming a really strong thing dead on for people within the community. And now it's pretty much out there, blasted in the mainstream. So I think I've really started. But I mean, you can really trace it back as far as like, probably even earlier into, you know, much earlier history. But as far as dabbing and oil, I would say like the 60s, they had this stuff called royal jelly. And that was, you know, there was stuff that they pulled out, you know, of the plants and they would use it on a heated substance and, and kind of dab it like maybe a heated knife sort of thing. So it's kind of like dabbing in its early forms.
0: Hot knives. Hot
1: knives, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure there are people that knew things about heated elements and stuff back then that were that had their own forms of dabbing, but it was just never, it was just always in personal circles, you know, and never mainstream. But I've watched the the, the, the growth of it because in when 2012, when I went to the uh, High Times Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, the 25th one, that's when I became Phone homie, if you will. Uh, we were dabbing there, and people were creating, you know, uh, heated elements for dabbing and stuff like that. But it was all very raw, very early, <clears throat> you know. And it was, people were scared about it too, because in Amsterdam, dabbing was not necessarily a thing that was legal.
0: If you look at any menu of a dispensary in the United States, you'll most likely find a good portion to include various strange-sounding products. You might see terms such as hash. Keef, Dry Sift, Wax, Shatter, Batter, Butter, Bubble Hash, Full Melt, Sugar, Sauce, Resin, Live Resin, Rosin, Live Rosin, and Sap, to name just a few. All of these are names for different types of concentrate, all of which of course can be dabbed or vaporized. If this seems like a brand new rabbit hole, it kind of is, though you'd be surprised by how many people are actually familiar with it. If you're familiar with the term slab, then consider yourself up-to-date and in-the-know. For those unfamiliar with the term, it's a very large chunk of concentrate, usually a piece of wax or shattered, that's made for commercial purposes. I asked Rico if he thinks dabbing has a future in a place like Poland, which only very recently introduced medical cannabis in pharmacies.
1: 100%. I personally, since I've been coming to Europe, have been bringing my own personal experience and being very blatant and obnoxious about it. So yes, I feel that trickled some things, but and I want to take credit for all that. But uh no, to be to be very honest with you, um being here today, especially I kinda of realized that a lot of people came out the woodwork and a lot more people than I thought know about dabbing, know about concentrates. Know about the whole process, and they, you know, you know, getting rigs and and emails and and, and all this stuff, everything that goes with it. So people people know what's up. Um, they just haven't experienced it as much as they want to yet. I'll say, like today at this expo. I mean, this is not today. These whole past three days, uh, I've taken some big bong hits, some big rig hits, and people walk by. And they are enthralled, old, young. I mean, we literally, we, we smoked out with an older gentleman and we smoked out with an older lady, much, much older into their lives, and uh, they were loving it. And they had experience. <clears throat> I, I swear, none of these people, like, back at home, I've I run into people that really mess up the whole process, and they'll spit back into the rig and stuff like that and not know what they're doing. But over here, I feel like everybody pretty much knew what the hell they were doing. It was nuts. So uh, they want it out here. They want it. They want it very much so.
0: If Rico's accounts from the expo in Warsaw are any indicator, we could be seeing dabs in this part of Europe sooner than expected. Time will tell how soon that may happen, but the outlook seems rather bright, especially considering Warsaw is now attracting activists and entrepreneurs from the U.S. capital. And speaking of D.C., I asked Rico to discuss the situation of cannabis there, and this is what he had to say.
1: So basically it was a... Uh, it was. A uh, proposition i i seventy one. It got put in position. Muriel Bowser, uh, who has just been reelected uh, as the mayor, she she passed uh, she passed basically a law allowing us to grow. Um, that law allowed us to put into effect uh, each person as a resident of DC above twenty one uh, can grow uh, three plants in vegetation, three plants of flower, total of six. And if you have another adult in the house, 21 and over, you can now double that to 12. So you can have six plants in veg, six plants in, in flower. So um, that really opened that up. Um, for the, as soon as that happened, we started having a lot of public displays of, or club sort of displays of cannabis where people come through and we have a dab bar where people can get stoned. And <clears throat> For the longest time, the police looked away. But as of late, we've had trouble with, you know, the law coming in and raiding parties. Uh, We've had a lot of problems with robberies happening, people getting robbed outside of events and such. So um, right now there's a lot of personal uh, marketing going on and it's done in such a way where nobody's really selling marijuana, they're giving it away. So like for example, I can sell you a sticker for, you know, sixty hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars it's a very expensive well made sticker you know and you'd want to buy that sticker and you'd want to spend five hundred dollars and then later on surprise surprise you get gifted this marijuana or this oil or this or these diamonds or this rso or cbd or whatever well cbd you could buy but you know um so yeah so the process is pretty interesting um people have really tweaked that process and uh made it so that there is a sort of gray area market that exists. Um, But Muriel Bowser, our mayor, Muriel Bowser, she has promised uh, or made hints that she will work on creating a market for DC this upcoming year 2019.
0: So up to 12 plants for a home grow, which is quite a generous allowance, at least at this stage of the game. Rico paints a picture of more openness and less hiding amongst cannabis consumers in DC, despite the birth pangs involved. Well, DC as of now is in a complicated legal situation, with the direct sale of cannabis and related products being actually illegal. So to get around that, a little backdoor scheme has been set up, and cannabis can be passed on to others, though people still have to pretend they're buying something else. Rico also mentions that there have been parties and events set up to allow people to consume cannabis in public. Well, with the presence and popularity of dabs now in the Beltway, I wanted to know if they have places where concentrates can be consumed much like on the West Coast.
1: We do, but they're literally speakeasies. Like, For example, I went to one that had a bookshelf, and you have to slide the bookshelf to the side and to go upstairs to a, a, a whole lounge where you know, consumption is, is right there in the open. So they are, but they they are really kind of underground, which makes it a lot more fun at the moment. To be to be honest with you, Um, because once it becomes completely legal, you know, you take the element of surprise out of it. You take the element of 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 rebellion, if you will, a little bit out of it, and uh, it kind of takes the fun out of it. So,
0: fruit aspect. Yeah.
1: So for now, enjoy it while you can, you know. But uh, be aware that you know these things will change. You know, and that would be great, you know, as, as soon as people, everybody will be able to, you know, easily access cannabis in all shape and form. Um, but for the moment, uh, you know, I, I, those changes will come with its own consequences as well.
0: So as exciting and rebellious having a forbidden fruit scenario may be, ultimately people would rather be on the right side of the law so as to avoid things like dealing with the authorities and jail time when there's no real reason they should. Well, any insight or predictions about legalization from someone in the belly of the beast?
1: I've always been saying the next five years, and that might have been five years ago too, but I'd say five years. I think five years is a good, a good uh, thaw period because we're just cracking the ice right now. Uh, but I think it's a good thaw period for uh, most of the United States uh, to start going all green because we're at a good percentage now. Um, 30 and, medical, I think. Yeah, I think something like 30, yeah, exactly. We was last 26, so we we're up to 30, I think. And there's only 50 states in America, so that's more than half, uh, which, the, you know, even the Republicans gotta understand that you know there's money involved here and we can make a lot from it. So, um, I think that, yeah, five years, and I think you know that will cover the United States, and from that trickle effect, the rest of the world will be, uh, will also be heavily involved in cannabis. Uh, up to, you know, either 100% legalization or close to it. So, you know, and hopefully we can cite this, you know, five years from now and look back at this interview and say, okay, they were, you know, they were on point or we were right, we were all right, you know. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to that. I look forward to that being coming a thing. And uh, look at, we're already here in a country that doesn't accept it, uh, dealing with a little bit of it.
0: So a few more years before the U.S. opens up, at least on a federal level. Internationally speaking, it might take more time. But the fact that Poland now has cannabis expos and trade fairs is also a positive sign. And we could also be in store for a few surprises, much like Luxembourg going fully recreational. So any advice from Rico for young canna-activists and enthusiasts?
1: Yes, uh, my best advice would be to be present. Be knowledgeable, read. You can read, you can go online, you can understand how events go. You can understand how growing goes. Even if you can't do it yet, just read, you know, like I would salivate over uh, over magazine pictures of Bud. And that's how I started learning strains because I would look at all the pictures of Bud and start, you know, uh, getting the names and starting to understand the breakdowns of the names and, and everything like that. And then when I went to events, I could start talking to people about it and start learning what they know. And uh, over the years, you start becoming very knowledgeable. So be present at events. Go to events. Go to where people are collaborating together in a community about cannabis. That's number one way to get in there. Number two, if there's any sort of legalization that they give you any leeway to do anything to grow, to sell, to to smell it, to uh, you know to 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 uh, cook with it, do it. Take that opportunity. Or if you have the opportunity to go to a place that does allow it, go there. Be present. Be in the present of where legalization is. Be be present of where. Uh, people are consuming cannabis or growing cannabis or attracting cannabis and learning anything that you can. Not everybody's going to be very uh, happy to give you uh, private knowledge, but uh, a lot of people will talk to you and within talking you will learn a lot and listening, obviously.
0: Be aware, be present, be active. People in the cannabis industry are generally passionate and really love talking shop. Rico being just one example of many all over the world. Well, if we're interested in getting in touch with Rico and finding out more about his activities, where can we go? So you can go number one to Instagram, at Phone Homie. That's P-H-O-N-E-H-O-M-I-E.
1: Because whenever you need weed, you got a Phone Homie. Uh, On Twitter and Facebook as well, Phone Homie. You can go to YouTube and type in Phone Homie Presents. And you will see a load of uh, videos that we've done. And you can also go to Netflix and type in The Naked Truth, Episode 5, District of Cannabis. That's Netflix, The Naked Truth, Episode 5, District of Cannabis, to see a little bit more of Phone Homie on national television. You can catch me every Sunday on The Slab Hour on WLVSradio.com. 9 p.m. Eastern, United States of America.
0: And on that note, time to say goodbye to our guest. Rico, a.k.a. Foam Homie, thanks for chatting uh, with me today here in Warsaw. Wish you uh, uh, a pleasant stay in in this uh, wonderful capital of ours and uh, a safe trip uh, back to the U.S.
1: Thank you very much. If I may, turp it up and slab it down. That's one small dab for man, one giant slab for mankind.
0: (laughs) Thanks, dude. (laughs) That was episode 15. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Feel free to share the Critical Grass podcast on your Instatubes, Facegrams, and Twitter machines. We'll be back with more of Topics next week, so stay tuned. My name is Bogdan. Slab it, baby. Yeah.